Turn in your Bibles, please, to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We've prayed, we've worshiped the Lord, given thanks. Let's believe the Lord for the remainder of the service in the Word. How many believe the Lord could speak to you tonight, just directly to you, right out of the Word, right by the Holy Spirit, just like you were at the throne? He looked at you and told you something. Precious to the Word of God. In uh, Ephesians 5, Phyllis, my wonderful wife, went into great detail last night. Didn't she do a good job? I'm telling you. We know it's all, if it's good, we know it's God. We know it's the Holy Ghost, but people have to yield to Him. And we appreciate that. Fine job. In this fifth chapter, I want us to look at some things that she talked about and go on from there. Some things that will apply to some other areas. In Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Ephesians 5, 22. Father, before we read the word, we ask that you speak to everybody's heart and quicken. Help us to yield to the Holy Ghost fully. Give everybody eyes that see and ears to hear. Let your glory change us. Let your presence and anointing make deposits into us and equip us and enable us. And anything that's not pleasing to you, that we'd be delivered from it, cleansed from it, may be removed from us. Thank you, Lord. Let the power of your word be great working in us in Jesus' name. He said, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Let me just stop right here. Ladies, is that bondage? Is that bondage? Or does the truth make you free? That was a little weak, but I'll accept that. (laughs) Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. Men, is that bondage? (laughs) Was that men answering or? (laughs) Is that an undesirable thing? Is that mushy, don't want to hear it, or is it truth that makes you free? truth. Verse 31, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Everybody say Christ Christ. and the church. Now let's say that phrase out loud at least three times. Christ and the church. Say it again. Christ and the church. One more time. Christ and the church. 
Now in talking about marriage, I'm going to make a, a, a very big statement to you right now. And we're going to be touching it and coming back to it again and again and again. But listen carefully now. Every question that could possibly arise concerning marriage, every issue that could possibly come up about marriage is answered in Christ and the church. Everyone. There's no such thing as somebody can ask a question that's not covered in that. I'm talking about questions about marriage. This is a marriage meeting. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, marriage, a man and a woman joined together in marriage, is a type of Christ and the church. Who is the example of the husband? Who is he to look to as to what he's supposed to be as a husband? Christ. Who is the example of the wife? Who is she supposed to look to as to what is a proper wife? The church. Is that Bible now? If you don't get this established, you're going to be off on everything else. Everything. There is no question that could possibly come up. There is no issue that could possibly arise concerning marriage that is not answered in this phrase. Christ and the church. If, you know, somebody says, well, my wife is doing this. What do I do? Well, if the church did that, what does the Lord do? Did you hear me? Both sides of it. It works that way. The type is perfect. He said, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Now, why did he pick these two areas? Of all the things he could have talked about. Of all the things that husbands and wives can deal with in life. Why these two areas? Why didn't he say, now here's five of the main things you're going to have to deal with. For you husbands, and here's five for you, or here's seven, or here's ten. No, one apiece. Right? What did he say to the husbands? Well, let's reduce it to one word. What did he tell the husbands? Love. What did he tell the wives? Submit. Is that a dirty word? No. That word has a, a negative connotation to it. Uh, so many times when people hear it, they just cringe. They're like, ooh, you're one of those. Where did the word come from? Are we reading the Bible? Then it's not bad. Right? I know uh, some of you, uh, I taught at Ramah, and... Uh, I taught a course on submission and authority, and especially like CES and things like that, people had come in from the outside, and a lot of times the people that served under their pastors were assigned to come to my class. They thought it was punishment. <laughs> I don't mean once, numerous times they'd go back to their pastors and go, why did you put me in the submission class? Is something wrong? See, they could only see it as a negative thing. Now, thank God after they were there for a while, they felt differently about it, usually, Submission is not a bad thing. 
Husbands, loving your wife is not a bad thing. Why did he mention these two things? Because these are the two areas where you're going to be tempted to disobey. Did you hear me? This is it. Concerning your marriage, I mean, if you 100% every day love your wife like the Lord told you to do, you're going to eliminate all kind of problems. If you submit to your husband like the Lord told you to, you're going to close the door. You're just going to eliminate all kinds of problems in your life. Well, the devil knows this. That's why he works so hard on people through their flesh to keep the women from submitting to their husbands and the husbands from loving their wives. Now, no need for us to try to find something new. This is it. This is where it's at. Right? How many believe if the husbands got the loving part down and the wives got the submitting part down, we are way down the road. Right? We are doing pretty good. Now, um, notice something here, though. He said in verse 22, what does it read? Verse 22. Wives, submit yourself. Let's just stop right there. Who is the subject? Wives, submit yourself. So submit yourself. Who's the understood subject? Wives, you submit yourself. Right? Is he talking to the husband? Then why do so many husbands take such great interest in this verse concerning their wives when he wasn't even talking to the husband? Husbands, this verse is not addressed to you. Did you hear me? The Lord is not talking to husbands. He's talking to who? Wives. wives. It's almost like the Lord said, wives, the husbands, I'll get to you in a minute. Wives, you're talking to the wives, not talking to the husbands. You submit yourself to your own husband. Then a little bit later, he said, husbands. Now, wives, is he talking to you? No. Well, then why are so many wives, though, interested in their husband loving them and doing what The scripture said, we've got an epidemic of people working on each other's parts. You got a lot of husbands that are experts on submission and a lot of wives that are experts on loving. They know exactly how the man ought to be loving them and what he's not doing right. And he's an expert on exactly how she ought to submit to him and what she ain't doing right. That is completely wrong. Now I'm going to say something. Pay close attention now. Wives, do not say anything to your husband about how he's supposed to love you. As far as you're supposed to love me. The Bible told you to love me. You're supposed to love me like Christ loved the church. Never tell your husband that. Are you with me? Never. Husbands, never tell your wife to submit to you. 
Never look at them and say, you're supposed to submit. Never. It's not your part. He wasn't talking to you. Are you clear on this now? If you refuse this, if you rebel against this, it's going to cost you. What, let me go over it real slow. Make sure we're okay. What is the wife's part? What is the husband's part? Love. Love. Wives, what are you supposed to work on? Husbands, what are you supposed to work on? Loving. Whose idea is this? The Lord's. Out of all the things he could have told us about marriage, these are the two biggies. And if you just have a little bit of wisdom and understanding, you don't wonder why. You can see. He knew those would be the two big problem areas. Now, let's go on from here a little bit. Back to this 22nd uh, verse again. Tell me again what it said. Wives, submit yourselves. Now, let me read some other scriptures to you. You don't have to turn to all these necessarily, but listen to them. I'll tell you, before I read them, let me give you this. Like I said, you know, I, I was, had the privilege of teaching on this subject for some years. And uh, the Lord gave me three things that submission is not. A lot of people get confused about these areas. Three things submission is not. We're going to deal with one of them tonight, so I'll give them to you. Number one, submission is not agreement. I said submission is not agreement. It's only when you're not in agreement that you have an opportunity to submit now. A lot of times people say, well, you know, now normally I submit to them, but on this I just don't agree. <laughs> what are they saying? Usually they agree, but now they don't, and now here's one of the first real opportunities they've had to submit, and they're refusing to. Submission isn't agreement. Perfect example is Jesus. We talked about this a while back on a Sunday morning. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. His will was different, but he submitted his will, right? Secondly, submission isn't easy. I said, it isn't easy. I've had people tell me before they got in the course, they'd say, Brother Keith, I'm so excited, you know, about taking your course on submission and authority. You know, submission's always been easy for me. I know immediately they don't know what it is, not have a clue. Submission isn't easy. Oh, but when it's done in God, it brings great rewards. And how many understand, you know, Phyllis got into this some last night. Submission is not just a wife thing. Anything that I or any other man teaches about submission applies to us. Right? To whoever's over us in whatever place. And it's not, you know, I've heard some women say, you know, well, Paul just had a problem with women. (laughs) Talking about the Apostle Paul. And, you know, we're not inferior well, because I submit to the president doesn't mean I'm an inferior man to him. Did you hear me? Because men in my church submit to me as the pastor doesn't mean they're an inferior man to me. Did you hear? It's a matter of place. Right? 
place. And if you fail to respect the place that God has ordained and chosen somebody and put them in it, then you fail to respect the one who created the place. You fail to respect God. And I've said this for years. It'll bear repetition. You, you may not always be able to respect or appreciate everything that somebody in authority says and does. But you must respect the place. Elsewise, you disrespect the Lord. Thirdly, submission isn't being forced. Talking about godly submission. Submission isn't being forced. It isn't somebody making you do something. Nothing in the Bible tells the husband to make his wife submit. Or the pastor to make his congregation submit. Did you hear me? That is error. That's where people get into error when they cross this line. Let me go over it again. When the Lord was talking to the wives, who did he say was going to make the wife submit? Nobody's going to make her. He said, wife, you submit yourself. Now listen to the, that's the language all through the New Testament. Let me read a couple more of these to you. In uh, Hebrews, the 13th chapter, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 13, 17, he says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Who's going to submit them? The understood subject is you. You submit yourself. Well, who's making you yield your will to somebody else? You are. Right? Just like the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your. The Father didn't make him do that. Right? No. That's two witnesses in the New Testament. First Peter 2. 13 said, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Who's going to make you submit? You submit yourself. First Peter 5, 5, a fourth witness. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Did he say the elder are to see to it that the younger do what they say? Elders make the younger submit. Nothing in the Bible like that. People have taken these things and tried to twist them into something like that, but it's error. And it's big error. Younger, submit yourself to the elder. James 4, 7. Here's a fifth witness. Says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Who's going to make you submit to God? Who's going to submit you to God? I must submit myself. Again, all questions, all issues that could arise about marriage are answered in what? Christ and the church. What if a man says, my wife won't submit to me. She won't follow me. She won't let me lead. What do I do? Well, how do we solve this? Christ and the church. What if the church won't submit to the Lord? I said, what if the church won't submit to the Lord? What does he do? Does he make us submit? 
No, he does not. He has the power. But would he use it and make us submit? Go with me, please, to Matthew. Matthew 20. Everybody okay? Got the victory? Matthew 20. In Matthew 20, Jesus is speaking. And uh, the Bible said that uh, two of the disciples' mother came to Jesus in verse 21, and I guess kind of on the side, and said, you know, can you see to it that my two boys have the premium places of authority? (laughs) Well, that's like a mama. She's trying to look out for her boys, I guess. And verse 22, look at it. Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. You know, when people overstep their boundaries, a lot of times that's what you need to tell them. You need to say, you don't know what you're asking. And he said, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said, we are able. He said, you shall indeed drink, drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of the Father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Boy, it made them hot. They thought, who do you think you are? They're probably mad because they didn't think of it. (laughs) Because, you know, we read, what was it, Sunday, about that they were arguing among themselves who would be the greatest. Vying for position. Jockeying for authority and control. If that's one thing that Phyllis and I have seen in the ministry over the years, it's what a problem it is in ministries of all kinds, churches and of all kinds, people want to be in control. They want to run something, want to be in charge. Well, that can be a real problem. Now, he describes This in the world and the difference that it's supposed to be with us. Keep reading. He said, Jesus called them to him and he said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. How many know that's a very straight, strong statement? When the Lord looks at them and says, It is not to be this way with you. What way? The way people in the world do it. He said, but whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus himself, the master, the head of the church, said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Hallelujah. Well, then that's our call, right? We ought to be looking around going, can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I bless you? What do you require? And look at it as them honoring us when they allow us to do something for them. Uh, 
a minister who tells a story about them being caught up to heaven. They told this, and it sounds right to me. They said they were in heaven, and they said they met people on every corner. And everybody they met, there were two things that just stood out to them. One was if they saw something that just excited them, they said, glory to God. And when they did, everybody around them erupted into praise. They'd just see something that'd go, glory to God. And everybody'd go, yeah, yeah, glory to God. And they'd all throw their hands up and just praise God for minutes. He said, another thing is everybody he saw said, can we do anything for you? You want to go with us? You want to eat with us? Can we help you? Can we do anything? How many believe that that's heaven? That's the way heaven will be. See, that's the way God is. That's the way Jesus is. And when his spirit's operating through us, that's the way we are. We're always going, can I help you? What can I do for you? Let me do something for you. Come on. Let me help you. It's more blessed to give. than to receive. We enjoy receiving, but when you really find out about this thing, you find out it's even a bigger blessing to give. In many more ways than one. But now let me read another translation of this verse to you. He said you're not to be like the world. He said they. Uh, let me read this from the New Living. Jesus said you know that in this world kings are tyrants. And officials lord it over the people beneath them. They do what? They lord it over the people beneath them. Force, coercion, they're going to make you do it through some form of coercion. None of this is love and none of this is God. No form of trying to make somebody do something is God. Are you with me? Y'all believe in God with me tonight, right? In Colossians 3.18, you can turn there or not, Colossians 3.18 and 19, he said again what he said in uh, Ephesians, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Then he said, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, the NIV says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The New Living says, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Do you understand that? Do not treat them harshly. Go to Ezekiel. Let me give you a little more scripture and then I'll... I'll explain where we're going with this. Ezekiel 34. Bless the Lord. Glory to God. Like I said, you believe in God with me now, right? Because a lot of these things, I mean, I could say them, but no man can reveal truth or light to another man. And sometimes people think, why don't you just come out and say it? Well... If people are not ready to hear it, then you uh, you shouldn't. And the Holy Ghost will lead you when this is dealt with, and this is dealt with, and that's dealt with. Then you're ready to hear something else. And this truth that we're talking with, dealing with tonight, 
I'm telling you, if we understood it and practiced it, it would eliminate whole realms of error from the church. From the top to the bottom. It has to do with understanding the nature of God. And the nature of the devil. God is love. Right? He is love. Love doesn't force. Will you get a hold of this? This will open up whole portions of the scripture to you. Love doesn't force. You might ask the question, well, you know, why did God let Adam and Eve do what they did? Why did he step in and make them do the right thing? If he did, he would have ceased to be love. Why doesn't God step in and straighten this planet out? Why does he let all this stuff go on? Why doesn't he step in? He's almighty, isn't he? Doesn't he have all his power and ability? Why doesn't he step in and make people get saved and make them do what? Well, let's back up. How would he do that? How would he do it? Hmm? He's got the power. He could manifest himself in the atmosphere of this planet. You could see the face of God coming in fire. Out of heaven. He could shake this planet till everybody on it was scared spitless. Wouldn't take long. I said it wouldn't take long. He could do it without lifting a finger. He creates stars. He could do it quickly, easily. But then, let's say everybody rushed to the church then. And said, oh, 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 i got to get saved, i got to get saved, i got to get saved. They would be responding out of fear. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, God is love, so say it like that. Without faith, it is impossible to please love. Do you see that? So... No, well, let me say it like this, force, the success of force is based on fear. Same thing happens with husbands and wives. Usually, the wife is the weaker physical vessel to the husband as far as strength, physical strength. Not always, usually. And a lot of times... A man, he could say, well, you know, you do this or else. You do it or I'm going to hit you. Said or implied. Well, if the woman did it, it would be out of what? Fear. Out of fear that this man is going to use his strength to hurt her. Is that God-like? Is that Christ-like? Does God ever do that with us? Never. Never. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's good about the men. Well, it applies to the women just as well. How many times women have said, you know, if you don't do this, 
I'm going to leave you. If you don't do this, I'm going to tell off on you. I'm going to tell this on you. If you don't do this, I'm not going to sleep with you anymore. So much of it is, it comes back to the same thing, fear-based. Trying to control somebody through fear. And I'm telling you, it's devilish. It's devilish. Ungodly. Any kind of fear manipulation is devilish. Any kind of force, I'm going to make you do this, is ungodly, unchristlike, against the scriptures. Can you say amen? In Ezekiel 34, are you there? Ezekiel 34 and verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. Now here's what we were talking about a minute ago, is ministers who think ministry means people do stuff for me. Right? The flock exists to do stuff for me. The partners exist to do stuff for me. He said, you eat the fat, you clothe you with the wool, you kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost. But with what? With what? Force. And with cruelty. Have you ruled them? Who's he talking about? He's talking about the leaders of God's people. With force and with cruelty. The Amplified says, with force and hard-hearted harshness, you have ruled them. Another one said, with force and severity, you have dominated them. How many understand that fear is not of God? Well, the forcing that creates the fear is not of God. Not of God. You know, the church is to operate by exactly the same principles as the Christian home. Talking about the local church. Exactly. The pastors are supposed to be the mom and daddy. Older kids are supposed to help and take care of the younger kids. It's exactly the same. Exactly. That's why the Bible tells you that the primary qualifications for a pastor and a leader is that his marriage and his family is right. Because if he doesn't understand how to lead his own home, how can he take care of the church of God? Isn't that what it said? That's how strong it is. The church is not supposed to be just a business, just an institution. It's a family. It's supposed to be operated just like a family. Right? Mama, daddy, and kids. Older kids, younger kids. Babies, right? Operated exactly that way. Well, God doesn't force us. Jesus doesn't force his bride. The uh, pastor is not supposed to try to force his people. The husband's not supposed to try to force his wife. You know, it's sad. But there's been a lot of men, you know, that threw their fists down and said, you know, by God, you're going to submit to me. 
Well, that's using the Lord's name in vain. It's bad or worse than any kind of cussing. Did you hear me? And it's hateful. It's devilish. They're quoting a scripture, but it's about as ungodly as you can get. Are you with me? No. Now, uh, Phyllis was very open with you last night and uh, shared about where she had missed it. We had a lot of trouble, as she said, in the earlier days of our marriage. And uh, I think you'll find that we're being very open with you in these services. Right? And I want to share with you where I missed it. Because I missed it too. She wasn't the only one that missed it. Where did she say she missed it? In what? Reckon where I missed it. (laughs) How'd you know that? (laughs) Uh, There are two major areas that I've seen many, many husbands fail. It all comes back to this, uh, like we're talking about, the love issue, but in application. And one of them is this, trying to force. Trying to force something. Trying to force the wife. Now, let me make an exception here. Small children should be made to mind. Did you hear me? Yeah. Mrs. Oh, I got a two-year-old, and I can't do a thing with him. Well, you need your parents' license revoked. <laughs> you make them do what they're supposed to do. Did you hear me? Little ones. I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm not talking about hurting them in some way. But you make them do what they're supposed to do. That's why little children are supposed to have parents, because they don't know how to run their own life. Are you with me? Small children should be made to mind. But, husbands, your wife is not your child. Did you hear me? You don't treat her like a child. Wives, your husband is not your child. You don't treat him like a child. No real man... Wants a mama for a wife. No real woman wants a daddy for a husband. You want a husband. Right? You already got a father. Are you with me now? Someone says, well, he acts like a baby. I'm going to treat him like one. Hmm. Well, you're a big part of the problem. You're calling him that. You're treating him like that. He's perpetuating it. And vice versa. You do not treat your spouse like a child. That they have to mind you. They have to do what you say. Are you with me? You do not talk to them like your child. Ever. A lot of guys have missed it in this area of trying to make their wife do something. In, um, I'm trying not to miss anything. 
In talking about this, I said, Phyllis told you where she missed it. This is where I missed it in this area. And what made it even worse is I knew better. I knew better. I knew the word on it. And didn't mean to be doing it. But I did. I knew that what she was doing in her rebellion was causing us a lot of problems. Hindering us in the ministry. And so, there are numerous times... That I'm going to get her to see it. And it's great. To be persistent that you're not going to give up on your relationship. It's great to never quit believing in somebody. But you cross the line. When you're going to make them see it. Did you hear me? I never beat Phyllis up, thank God. I never picked her up and throwed her across the room. Never gave her a black eye. If you have, repent. God will forgive you. Never say, you know, men, never say you couldn't help it. You got so mad, you lost your temper, and you just couldn't help it. Never tell that lie. Did you hear me? Like I've said so many times, you take somebody, you know, you got a 200-pound guy, he gets mad, loses temper, slaps his, you know, 130-pound wife or whatever size she is, she's less than him, or child, or kicks the 10-pound dog, or, you know, and just can't help themselves. You put them beside a 300-pound NFL player and let them lose their temper. Some way or another, they control themselves to keep from slapping that linebacker. What? People do what they can get away with. I said they do what they can get away with. But numerous times, I missed it. By, you know, I'm going to get her to see it. I'm going to make her see it. Or make her see this or make her see that. Crossing the line. Trying to make her see or make her do anything. We had our big breakthroughs when she quit rebelling and I quit trying to make her do anything or make her see anything. Are you with me now? Just like women need to learn when to shut up, men need to learn when to shut up. And there ought never be any of this stuff. Well, by God, this is my house. And as long as you're under my roof, you're going to do. You're full of the devil. And don't quote scriptures. It's nigh unto blasphemy. Your mouth ain't holy enough to talk them. Nothing is in the word at all about a man making his wife submit. Nothing. He wasn't talking to the man. Nothing is in the word about the wife telling her husband how to love her. Talking to him about, you're supposed to do this or you're supposed to do that. Back off. Don't say anything about that. Wives, what's your job? Tell me, tell me. Huh? Husbands, what's your job? Love. You are to be the head of your household, but the love head. 
the love head. I know one time uh, the Lord dealt with me about this. I was reading scripture and was it First Corinthians uh, 14, is that what it is? Where it talks about if the woman would uh, learn anything, you know, let her ask her husband. Uh, instead of, you know, if you look at the whole context and some history, there was interruptions in the service and that kind of thing. said, let her ask her husband at home. The Lord said, uh, Phyllis wouldn't have to ask you. You'd tell her. <laughs> well, I'm a teacher. That's what I do. Fish swim. Roosters crow. Teachers teach. Huh? If it's in you, it's going to come out. But it's one thing if I'm with you for an hour or two and we're teaching and talking. But what if you went home with me? Oh, it ain't that bad. And <laughs> but what if? I'm not like this. I'm telling you how I learned some things and made some changes. But what if I tried to teach you nonstop? 24 hours a day, every time, all the time. That'd get old, right? No matter how much you like me or how much you love me, I mean, after a while, you'd say, hey, <laughs> just let me mess up, okay? I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to know what you think. I don't care if you're right. I just don't want to hear it anymore, right? <laughs> and it's a dull person who does not perceive That somebody tired of the sound of your voice 30 minutes ago. (laughs) It's a dull person. Are you with me? (laughs) Oh, the Holy Ghost is moving in here tonight. (laughs) Yes. What do you mean, Brother K? You know what I mean. Have you ever talked to somebody and they lost you on the third word and they just go on and on and on. They are intent and bent on telling the whole deal and going through and are completely oblivious that you want to go. You do not want to hear anything else they got to say. That's being dull spiritually. Somebody says, well, I need to tell them. No. No. Mm-mm. How much is in the scripture about him that has ears to hear? How much is in the New Testament about Paul saying, you know, I would have gone into this, but I couldn't. Why? You didn't have ears to hear. You weren't able to hear it and receive it. Why didn't you just go on and give it to them? Because they weren't ready to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. No. It's not just what you know. It's not just what somebody needs. It's what will they receive. And if they're not receiving, you need to shut up. Most cases, if they're not receiving, you need to zip it. You need to be quiet right now and just smile. Men and women, everybody. Do you understand that now? Don't just go on and on and on. When you, you know, watch them. Don't just talk. Look. Look at their eyes. Look at their countenance. Do they want to hear what you're saying? If they don't, shut up. I know that sounds simplistic, but friend, you know what this will do for your marriage? 
And then what will happen is you'll begin to grow and she'll begin to want to hear what you've got to say. He'll begin to want to hear what she's got to say. It's not forced on you. Did you hear that now? Nobody's trying to force anything on you. Force is not of God. You know, this one translation of this, uh, Matthew 20, it said, You know, the world kings are tyrants. They lord it over the people. One said, The heathen rulers are high-handed. High-handed with their people. That literally means having or showing no regard for the rights, concerns, or feelings of others. You're just going to do it. It's going to be my way. You're not thinking about anybody else but yourself. This is how it's going to be. Push over it, rough shot. You're going to make them do it. You're going to force them to do it. If anybody had the ability to do that and had the right to do it, it'd be God. But he does not. He will not. Right? If we submit to him, it'll be why? Because we willingly submitted ourselves. If we follow him, it'll be why? We chose to. Right? We did it out of love and we did it out of faith and that's the only way he'll have it. He won't have it through coercion. He won't have it through fear. He won't have it through manipulation or force of any kind. He'll only receive it if it's willing, if it's free, if it comes in love and faith. That's the only way. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you see that? We must be that way. All the time. Is this okay? No forcing. I, you know, like I said, this is probably the biggest mistakes I made in our relationship was in this area. I wasn't cussing her. I wasn't beating my fist saying, you know, you are going to do this and that necessarily. But I, there were times when I was intent. (laughs) She's going to see this. And a lot of times I was right. But I was wrong. You hear what I'm saying? In trying to make her see anything. That ain't the Holy Ghost way. And that's a big wrong. And in the church, you have to watch it. Leaders get to thinking, well, this is my thing. You know, and people are going to do what I say. They don't have to. Well, yeah, it's going to happen like this. No, mm, they don't have to. You lead. They'll follow if they decide to. What if they don't? Then they won't. Well, I'm going to make them. No, you better not try. You do, and you get away from the Holy Ghost and open yourself up to wrong spirits. How many understand Jesus is called the good shepherd, not the good cowboy? What do you mean, Brother Key? What does a cowboy do? He drives the herd. Jesus does not drive the herd. What does the shepherd do? Eastern shepherd. He walks out. I mean, it describes it in John 10. And he calls his sheep by name. Right? Intimate, personal fellowship. And the sheep know his voice. And nobody's behind them, poking them and driving them, making them go. They follow of their own accord. Right? What about the ones that decide not to? Then they don't. 
But it's dangerous because way back away from the shepherd is the wolf. Right? Now, let me go to another area before our time gets too far past. The first area that I said so many husbands miss it in is force. Trying to force something. No matter how you did it, you don't try to make your wife do something. And husbands don't try to, excuse me, wives don't try to make your husband do things. Principle works that way too. But here's another one. Force, is where you see a lot of people fail. Another one is folding. Folding. Where you see a lot of people fail. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, I was, uh, this must have been 25 years ago at least. I was in a certain place in somebody's house, and this couple came in, and they were elderly. I think they'd been married at least 50 years. And uh, I knew these people pretty good. And this man was telling me something. He's telling me this story. And, I mean, he got about three minutes into it, and his wife's sitting there. She said, uh, oh, called his name, just hush. That ain't Right? And he said, well, yeah, you know. She said, now just shut up. Let me tell it. You don't know what you're talking about. You got it all mixed up. So she began to tell the correct version of it. But I watched him. He just kind of slid back in the chair and just kind of slumped back, had this embarrassed, defeated look on his face. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but he spoke to my heart. He said, he gave up a long time ago. He gave up. Another way of saying, he what? He folded. Now here's where people get off. Just because you don't force somebody to do something does not mean you just fold and give in to them either. Do you hear this? Jesus is the example of the husband. If his bride doesn't do his will, doesn't submit to him, doesn't follow him, will he make us do it? No, he won't. But what if we buck against him and pressure and try to get him to change his will? Will he change it? Not in a thousand, thousand years. No matter how hard we pull or buck or push, he will not succumb to us. Are you with me now? Men, you must be the head of your house. And I'm not talking about every little thing. I mean, I don't, in the church or at home, I don't say about everything that goes on all day. No, we are not having chicken. We are having beef. Because <laughs> I'm the head. Uh-uh. Because I hadn't heard from God about that. You don't use your position. You don't abuse your position to just yield to the flesh and be selfish. A lot of times, I mean all kind of times, all through the day I ask Phyllis, what do you want? What do you think? What do you want to do? 
But I pray and I seek the Lord about direction. And when I'm convinced, I've heard from the Lord. No amount of crying or squealing or fussing will move me. Did you hear me? Because one day I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Phyllis won't be there. I mean, she'll be there, but she won't be there. In the spotlight. I trust we'll all be there. She'll stand before the Lord and I won't be there holding her hand. How many said all of us are going to stand before the Lord on our own to give an account of what we did or didn't do? And I'm telling you, a lot of men, a lot of men are going to be in a bunch of trouble because they're going to writhe and say, well, you know, the Lord said, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Well, you know how my wife was. And you know how she pitched a fit and you know, you know how my kids were and you know, he ain't going to hear it. It's going to be like you're not even talking. A lot of pastors. We weren't going uh, just a couple of days here. Until the Lord spoke to me, I mean strong. I wrote it down. I didn't know why, but I found out real soon why. Not soon after that, I'll tell you how I found out why, and then I'll tell you what he said. Uh, I had numerous people asking me, I want to do this, or I want to do that. And I said, no. No. Well, I want to do this this way. And I said, no. Well, I don't want to do this way. And some folk got kind of aggravated. Some are no longer here. One particular fellow, he said after about five or six no's, he said, well, surely you're going to let me do this. And I said, no. No. He said, no. I said, no. Well, and he's gone. But what he didn't know is I had already got my directions. I'm telling no uncertain terms. The Lord told me. He said, Keith. If you're always giving in to people here at the church, who's leading this place? I said, well, it wouldn't be me. He said, if I'd have wanted somebody else to lead it, I'd have put them in it, in the place. Did you hear that now? And even though you don't try to force people to do something, nor do you fold when you've heard from the Lord. Are you clear on this now? Two sides of this, very, very important. You don't have to be mean. I just smiled while I said, no, no, no. Why? What's wrong with that? Well, it's a good thing. Yeah, but that's, I hadn't heard from the Lord. I said, well, I have. I said, well, great. Go start your church. <laughs> well, I want to I do this and I want to do that. I've got a call on my life. Great. Good. Do what Phyllis and I did. Start believing for invitations and start believing. Oh, no, no, I want to do it in your church. Ah. You don't want to develop your own. You want to use somebody else. And I think so many pastors, they've actually let the enemy into their work out of fear. They're afraid if I don't give in to this, I'll lose this person. I'll lose this family. I'll lose this financial support. I'll lose this. And that fear drives them. I know a good friend of mine in another state. He said uh, the Lord led him to teach on a certain series. And he taught on it for weeks and weeks. And finally, the biggest financial giver in his church asked to see him. And he did. He sat down with him. And the guy said, now, you know. I don't agree with what you're teaching on this. And if you don't change it, 
I'm leaving and I'm pulling my family. Well, actually, there were about four families that were connected together. And he was the biggest financial giver by far. He said, uh, you know, we don't agree with that. And if you keep on that, he said, we're going to leave. And he sat there a little bit and he said, well, then I guess you're going to leave. I don't want you to, but I'm not going to change. He said, well, we're gone. He got up and walked out the door. And this brother, he said, Lord, the biggest giver in my church just walked out the door. The Lord said, no, I'm still here. (laughs) And he said, it wasn't a month. The Lord brought in four. They were almost as strong as him. Of course, you put them all together. Well, that's a whole lot more. You can't be motivated by fear. You can't be motivated by force. You recognize when you sense that. Somebody's going to make you do something. You know that ain't God. Right? Ain't God. And you make up your mind, I'm not going to do that. I'm not ever going to try to make somebody do something. So what do you do as the pastor, as the leader of the church family? What do you do as the head of your house? You love people and you never quit. You believe in people and you never quit. You never give up. And you lead, and you never quit. Amen. Amen. You say, come on. Come on. Follow me. Come on. What if they don't? Then they won't. But you keep leading. I said, you keep leading, and you keep loving them. You keep believing in them. Come on. Come on. Patient. Love. And I've seen a lot of people over the years, uh, you know, they decide they didn't like me. They thought I did something wrong, and they left. And ten years later, here they are again. Fifteen years later, I see their face again. Well, I'm glad I didn't quit leading. Amen. They couldn't have come back to where God hooks them up. Everybody say it out loud. Never quit loving. Never quit believing. Hallelujah. Say it again. Never quit loving. Never quit believing. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.